Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Nice. Caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. And, uh, well, we all know what happened last night and uh, the heart is still sore this morning. Um, the dreadful feeling in the pit of our stomachs, I think I speak for myself and Nathan, slightly dissipated, but... Uh, what a, an absolute nightmare. The nightmare that every Bengals fan feared happened last night when, of course, Joe Burrow um, went down in a uh, in a heap on the ground at the start of the third quarter against uh, Washington. And, uh, yeah, he's out for the year. And, uh, as I say, it's the nightmare scenario, isn't it? It's the thing that the Bengals fans feared the most. And... Uh, difficult to get your head around on quite a few different levels really um here to discuss uh what happened last night what it might happen for the future uh certainly for this season at least is of course nathan palmer nathan have you finished your prawn crackers i've finished my prawn crackers um not been a great Monday, as I'm sure I can speak, but on behalf of many Bengals fans that have been at work today, uh, with a slightly emotional hangover, um, really difficult. It's been fun watching the Bengals again this season. I think that's what Joe Burrow has really brought, and to see him go down and cart it off like that in a game that we probably would have won as well on a more, much more micro level. But we'll get to that later. But really hard to see, and uh, like you said at the start of the program, probably the worst case scenario for for us as fans. Uh, of course, we lost the game uh, to the Washington football team, 20 points to seven. But, I mean, the result, I think, is uh, is kind of irrelevant, really, or certainly was while you were watching it. And um, hats off to anyone who st- stayed the course, really, because I think as soon as Joe went down, it was, uh, it was difficult to kind of stay plugged into that game, uh, really. Um, I feel like I was watching it with my eyes, but my head wasn't taking in what was happening. It was yeah, just, yeah. Washington was just sort of moving the ball. They seemed to score. We couldn't move the ball. They seemed to score again. And like I said, my eyes were watching it, but I don't. I couldn't really tell you what happened in that last quarter for sure. Uh, Ryan Finley got sacked about 900 times through an interception, uh, was uh, displayed his noodle arm a little bit, which also kind of, that's a bit unfair to Ryan. He was thrown in there, you know, completely cold he's not had any OTAs or training camps but certainly displayed all the characteristics shall we say that he displayed last year so anyway we'll get to that um I think uh, there's only one thing to do in this situation uh, and that's bring out the uh, Bengals wheel of misfortune I mean, 
<laughs> e- even, what earth was that? Even the wheel is sounding sad and rickety and down in the dumps, really. Um, poor old wheel. And poor old Joe Burrow. It is the nightmare, isn't it? Um, it was, I mean, from memory, he stepped up into the pocket. It was a third down. He lofted a pass up to T Higgins, which he couldn't bring in. And there's me thinking, that's, that's, that was a weird call on that third down really but um because you want to have some momentum in the in the uh in the third quarter especially getting the ball back although we didn't capitalize by getting the ball back first in that second half we were got the ball back again because the defense made a stop again and I thought okay this is good but and then suddenly it was like oh Joe's down and not only is Joe down is Joe is staying down and he's holding his knee and you can see pain etched all over his face. Now, we've seen Joe take some pretty hefty biffs um, this year. And he's always got up afterwards. Um, I think there was only... What, what game? Did, against Philadelphia, wasn't it, where he took a, a crushing hit? Or was it Indianapolis? I think it was Philadelphia. And he came out for a, pl- a play to get his breath back. But So as soon as you saw him down, you thought, oh, no. Oh no 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 no, and uh, it was pretty evident from the get go that it was serious stuff. And it, and for CBS not to show the replay, you kind of thought, oh, you you sort of mind raced. You thought it might be another Dak Prescott, right? A broken leg and uh, or something really difficult to watch. You know, not that this wasn't difficult to watch because obviously videos appeared on uh, social media soon afterwards but um yeah for joe not to get up straight away like he has done all season was was very worrying indeed yeah i mean joe's a competitor you saw in the first half when he made that run and he got nailed by chase young at the goal line i mean chase young is a a specimen and he took a big lick from him and bounced straight up and looked okay and I think the second you saw him on that ground and he wasn't really getting up and he was you could tell he had a lot of pain in his body just by the sort of body language and I literally the second I saw him down I was out of my seat like oh no you know probably a few more profanities (laughs) than that but yeah it was you can just tell when a player it's not like in um, English football where a lad will go down on the floor and will bounce straight back up a second later and carry on the rest of the game. If an NFL player stays down, there's an element of pride there and you really do know that it's something serious when someone like Joe Burrow's on the ground for you know more than a couple of seconds. And then it all started, didn't it? The the players came out, Zach was on the field, Washington players were, you know, looking around, trying to figure out what was going on. The cart came out, um, uh, and then he tweeted. He tweeted out, of course, saying that uh, you can't get rid of me that easy. Uh, see you next year, which confirmed it was a season-ending in, uh, injury. Um, but you saw the video. What did you make of it? Not the video, but, you know, what the incident. Because soon after it happened, a Bengals Twitter was in full rage mode, uh, trying to... Pin the blame on somebody, anybody, Zach Taylor, Jim Turner, the offensive line, the front office for not sorting out the offensive line. Um, I'll give you my thoughts in a minute, but what what did you make of that incident? It's a tough one because 
as the ball comes out of his arm or out of his hand, should I say, the pocket looks fairly clean. But within, as the you know, as we know, the NFL very quickly. I think you had Montez Sweat coming around the uh, one side that sort of just about got to the top half of him. And it was weird with Michael Jordan. I've watched it back a few times. It's like Michael Jordan seems like he's almost got control of his man, but then sort of as he's turning, they're both sort of falling to the ground. And Michael Jordan wouldn't probably be able to have seen Joe Burrow, obviously, as he's back to him. He sort of turns with the guy um, from the football team just straight into Burrow's standing leg. Hmm. And it's just, it is a freak play. You know, it wouldn't have gone down as a sack or anything like that. But Burrow's standing leg, all the weight on it, and you just have two guys, combined weight of probably 600 pounds, falling straight into the middle of that leg. It bent in an extremely unnatural way and no surprises at all that there's an ACL injury coming off the back of that. It it was a little bit similar to the Carson Palmer one where you basically had a guy coming through his rush, didn't get to the quarterback and in his motion of falling to the ground, hit the standing uh, knee and obviously um, applied the injury. So, yeah, it's a really tough play. It's not like Mike Jordan got completely beat up the middle and the guy just slammed Burrow into the ground and dislocated his shoulder or anything like that there was a bit more sinister or anything like that it was just a freak play two guys falling back right on that standing leg and something that you absolutely hate to see for anyone in the league yeah i agree um we've seen dak prescott as i mentioned injured we've seen drew Brees with a different injury but how many times have we seen falling offensive linemen falling defensive linemen it go into that standing leg of a quarterback it happens at least like once a year, twice a year, something like that if you're extremely unlucky. And of course, we were extremely unlucky. I just thought it was a freakish play that just happens from time to time. I don't believe in fate and I don't believe in curses. Um, It's just one of those things. But of course, it's difficult to get your head around because it's so senseless and so kind of... As I say, difficult to comprehend. So you desperately need or want someone to blame. Uh, and as I say, the rage was in full effect last night. You know, but I actually don't think. Okay, here's the thing: at the start of the season, every Bengals fan said it, every Bengals podcast said it, every national U.S. national media person said it. We said it. We're obviously the most important. Um, and um, we were fearful of how the offensive line was going to look, how they were going to protect Joe Burrow. And they didn't do a very good job in those first three or four weeks. It has to be said that I think that Philadelphia one was the, was the worst, really. He took an absolute clobbering. And it's you do question why the Bengals line wasn't addressed sufficiently to protect uh, such an asset. Uh, you do question why he took that amount of hits. You do question the coaching. Uh, you do question everything. Um, certainly the front office's seeming unwillingness to address the trenches. They're great at drafting wide receivers, early doors and uh, and all that kind of st- running backs and quarterbacks. Uh, and yes, we took Jonah last year. That was, But that was... We were... So the cupboard was bare last year, you know. Um, and yes, they've had, you know, disrupted preparation because of COVID and 
uh, truncated training camps and all the rest of it. So there's reasons for it. But, you know, I, I kind of think the scandal, there was a scandal there at the start of the season uh, in the, in so much as how many hits and sacks Joe Burrow was taking. Was that connected to yesterday? I have to say, I don't think so. I think it was a freakish football play. And it's hard to take and it's hard to swallow, not least for Joe Burrow himself. Can you imagine what his, him and his family is going through? There's a very, very human element to this. You hate to see players go down, as I said, just on a human level. Um, but, you know, he's going to get good treatment and good uh, good physio and, you know, the best that money can buy. So he's not in an awful, awful situation and obviously, he's a multi-millionaire who will be very soon. So, you know, it's not all bad, and he will be back. I'm pretty sure of it. You look at Carson Palmer when he went down with his uh, ACL in 2005. He returned the next year and went to the Pro Bowl. Do you know what I mean? So, no worries about Joe Burrow coming back, um, you know, as long as the uh, the diagnosis and prognosis is, is good. I think there's there's two slightly separate issues here. Uh, the freakish football play that happened yesterday and the 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 poor play of the offensive line at the start of the season. Oh, I'm on the fence. I can completely see both sides of the argument. Yesterday's play, as we said before, I really think is a an unfortunate play. It's not a typical play where, uh, you know, a, a guy just streams through unmarked and just takes your quarterback, pounds him into the ground, dislocates his shoulder, you know, brutal low hit where someone should have been blocking him. It was a bit of a, a mingling, shall we say. So I'm not, you know, absolutely, I wouldn't necessarily put it on that. But I think fans this year have had every single, every right to critique the offensive line. And I know they've improved. They definitely have improved. But I think when you get someone like Joe Burrow and you draft him with the first overall pick and you basically say this guy is going to be the face of our franchise for the next 10 to 15 years, the priority has to be to protect him and his health. And even if Joe, I mean, Joe Burrow, like you said, he'll come back and I hope he comes back stronger and better. But these injuries are tough. You know, you don't certainly don't want to be taking multiple ACL injuries or anything else. And when you talk about the offensive line, you know, I dug some stats out today and you've got Andy Dalton in his career with the Bengals, averaged 30 sacks a season. The most he ever had in a season was 46. Um, Carson Palmer averaged about 25 a season. The most he ever had in a season was 36. Joe Burrow going into yesterday had 32 already, was on pace for 58 um, and had a mass 77 quarterback hits. Now, that's through nine games. And if Burrow carried on that season and hit 58 sacks, you have to ask the question there, well, you know, how how much, how many hits can a guy like that take? I know yesterday's injury is not as black and white as just an obvious sack or a missed assignment by the offensive line. But you do have to question the sort of rationale behind going into the season with a line like it was. The Bengals have been fortunate to pick up a guy like Quinton Spain on the open market mid-season. It doesn't happen very often. Um, they've not really made any moves mid-season at the trade deadline. I know they got in a sort of backup guy, but nothing that's going to sort of immediately jump in there and have uh, immediate impact. So 
I do think there's questions there. I don't. You, you can't just sit there. It's absolutely not as black and white as to sit there and say, oh, it's all the Bengals front office. It's all this and that. It's not as simple as that. But when your quarterback's taking 77 hits on pace for 58 sacks, and I think he's second or third in the league for you know, the amount of sacks that he's taken in a West Coast type of offense where they try to get the ball out quite quickly. Um, there has to be questions there. And I think it, I think the criticism is fair, but I don't, I think it would be completely wrong to say that it was all on that. And it was, you know, it's that much of a disaster. I think there's a, I think both sides have some sort of credibility to the argument, but yeah, certainly uh, it's a difficult one. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that I agree. I mean, I agree with you. Um, the play of the offensive line was was dreadful at the start of the year for the first three weeks, and then it improved, and it's been getting better. Played really well against the Titans. Did okay against Pittsburgh, bizarrely, um, and actually did very well against a good line for a half yesterday. But then they seemed to sort of make a few adjustments, and Hakeem Adeniji uh, was struggling. Um, Jonah held that, up, and I think you that's know, the it's... thing is that's the thing as well, isn't it? It's it's the sort of there's been no consistency on that line, and obviously that's been because of injuries. And again, it's no fault of the front office, but you got Hakeem Adeniji out there, who I know has got a lot of fans. But it's a sixth round pick starting at right tackle to protect your franchise quarterback. It, it it's hard sometimes when you look at that. Obviously, you've got a guy you know in Quinton Spain, who's a good player, but again, he's someone that you're just picking up mid-season on the free agent market that's been cut by another team immediately plugged in as your your starting guard with very very little practice experience you've got someone like Alex Redmond who didn't even make the 53 who up until Quinton Spain was in there was also plugged in as your starter with an injury so I think that was always the issue coming into the season and both of us said this was it's not the starting offensive line the starting line you know is uh, Xavier Suofilo, Trey Hopkins um, obviously, Bobby Hart and Jonah Williams and Michael Jordan's not terrible. It's not bad. But the worry was behind that it is just really a, an assortment of parts. And I think that's the issue is that you do get injuries on that offensive line. And to be relying on your sixth round pick, rookie sixth round pick to start at right tackle midseason is pretty concerning that there's not veterans on that team that can come in of a bit more experience. And yet, Nate, yeah, I disagree. I, I was actually really pleased that Adenergy was starting yesterday. He showed lots of promise against the Steelers at left tackle, albeit left tackle. Um, and You've I, got to see more than that, though. I mean, one game, it's like Fred Johnson Well, did a if, good if, job if Bobby Hart is season. injured and is barely coming back, what else are you going to do? You know, Fred Johnson's still on the COVID list. What what are you going to do? That that would affect any team in the NFL, not just the Bengals. And as I say, yeah, no, I, I you think, know, I, I, think th- I think, sorry, just to finish off that point, I think loads of Bengals fans were absolutely cock-a-hoop yesterday when they saw that starting offensive line, Adenergy, Spain, uh, back to guard after, you know, filling in at right tackle. Hopkins, not, you know, Michael Jordan, okay. Uh, and then Jonah back, who had a pretty solid game. Um, if you looked at Bengals Twitter yesterday, people were sort of applauding that and going, OK, great, you know, finally we've got an offensive line that looks on paper to be pretty solid. Um, and it was, for the most part, uh, until until the Red... Uh, almost said it there, didn't I? The football team absolutely <laughs> started teeing off. You know, as I say, Chase Young looks the player, doesn't he? And Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen and, uh, and all those guys... Um, 
they started teeing off and I don't know it's I don't think the incident yesterday was was connected to necessarily bad offensive line play that's my point that's the point I was trying to make I, I agree with you. I mean, I think yesterday was bad luck. I don't think there's anything more you can say about that. But then there's also the counter argument that it was pretty good luck that from the 77 hits that he took that, you know, that knock he took against the Eagles wasn't worse than it yeah, than it yeah, was when he good. came out there and he got sacked nine times. And, you know, the gimpy ankle that he had against the Steelers the week before, that, that wasn't worse, you know, than mm. it could have been. So... I just think if you're going to let your quarterback take that many hits, and Joe Burrow is a mobile guy, and the Bengals have been a very, very pass-heavy offense, so it's going to like those numbers are going to be slightly inflated on you know people like Carson Palmer back in the day where there was a much more heavy like Cedric Benson running game. Those stats are going to be slightly inflated, so he's going to take more hits. He's a more mobile guy. He's going to run. You know that's fair enough. That's part of his play, but. I, you know, you see it around the league. These guys that run with the ball, these guys that take a lot of hits, it's, it, you've got to look out for their health. You know, Joe Burrow's not Lamar Jackson. Um, he's not Michael Vick. And we've got to keep him healthy. And 10 games in, he's got an ACL injury. Uh, you know, he, we need him here for 15 years. We've got to protect him one way or another. And I know I'm not saying last night that it's anyone's fault in particular. There's, You know, you can't leverage that blame on someone. It's not that simple. But... I think coming into this season, we all felt the line probably wasn't good enough. It probably wasn't. They've had to make a lot of adjustments as the season's gone on. You can never legislate for injuries again, you know, but I just felt at the start of the season, there wasn't the depth there. And I know you've got people like Adenergy coming in that people are high on. And the reason we're high on him as fans is because you desperately want him to succeed. He's a sixth round pick. Whenever you can hit on a player in the sixth round, he had a very, very good game last week. Um, you know, managed to stifle Bud Dupree on a few occasions. That's great. But, you know, I want someone, and this is every respect to Hakeem, that's a bit more proven to be stepping in there. But how do, you, how, do you, how do you prove that, though? You'd only prove it by those guys playing, surely? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the, the thing is, you kind of, some, you want someone, I think, on the roster that can step in as a sec, you know, as a sort of backup option that's got some NFL experience. You know, I know people got to play, but obviously he didn't get a chance in the preseason. He had a few snaps against the Steelers. It's just when you've got Joe Burrow there, and who's an, as big an asset of that, I just think you want to feel confident that these guys that are going to come in are going to have a bit of NFL experience behind them to protect him. You know, I know it's an ideal world, and obviously this season's been impacted by covid and a lot of players are coming in and coming out and stuff and players do need to be given a chance but i think to throw in a sixth round pick there in his second nfl start i mean you know it's not ideal for joe burrow and again like i said coronavirus the injuries it is a hard work for the bengals it's not as simple as you know they've just got a luxury of players on that roster but i think going into the season they were quite thin and probably wouldn't have had the talent there they would have liked uh, I'm not with you on that. I was I was okay with the energy going, and I was looking forward to seeing him. And say for a half, he did okay. In fact, in fact he did more than okay. Um, and I don't think it's the tackles that are the problem. It's it's the interior guys. That's the problem, and that's why Spain, as you said, picking Spain it was a real kind of bonus, wasn't it? Because um, not many people pick up quality players like that and who are an instant success. Um, off the street and Quinton Spain looks the part and hopefully he'll settle down into that guard position. But yeah, the interior play has been worrying me all season. And, you know, you look at Michael Jordan's pass uh, blocking rating yesterday on PFF and it's a bit of a, 
Oh, yikes. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the season going forward because uh, it's going to be difficult to watch, let's face it. Um, uh, I got a DM from someone yesterday called Kate who kind of said uh, her one of her daughters is Joe's age and uh, she's in her first job and as a mum she knows what hopes and goals she has for the future um, and she sort of feels worse for Joe Burrow as a mum than she does as a fan if that makes sense so I found that really interesting and it does affect people on human levels so I don't know what Mr and Mrs Burrow are feeling right now but yeah as you know as as we said you know I'm sure that Joe will um will be okay next uh next year and it's down to the Bengals oh I must say that we do have a special guest this week we didn't kind of we toyed with the idea didn't we that whether to have a guest or not I didn't really feel appropriate to be all jolly and having doing silly things this week uh because obviously it's it's still quite a raw situation for many Bengals fans out there. Um, so we got in touch with the um, with the Foundation for Appalachian Ohio, who handle and have put together the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund. So we do have someone from the fund coming on to talk to us a little bit later. And if there was a silver lining to yesterday's cloud, it's the fact that Bengals fans assembled and started donating to this fund just because they felt they needed to support and help Joe Burrow in any way, shape or form, in some sort of tangible way. And uh, what a great thing it was. I think the fund is now, I think Bengals fans and some Washington fans actually, and I wouldn't be surprised if some NFL fans generally have donated. I think the donation pot since yesterday has gone up to $27,000, so amazing effort and we'll be uh speaking to uh one of the members of that team a bit later um going forward nathan it's going to be a tough watch isn't it the rest of the season i think it is yeah difficult i mean like i said at the start burrow made the, the season infinitely more exciting he was Fantastic to watch. He made the Bengals competitive. We were, we were well on course to win that game yesterday. We looked really, really strong in the first half. And when Ryan Finley came in, partly because obviously I think a lot of fans just had the win knocked out of them, but the play really did regress quite significantly. And I fear that for the final six games, not many easy games really in there. Um, got the Steelers, the Ravens, the Cowboys are going to be difficult, I would imagine, uh, with Andy Dalton coming to town. I'm just... Yeah, it, I, I'm, not, I'm not bracing myself. Obviously, as well, and this is going to get completely overshadowed um, by the injury to Joe Burrow. But obviously, Joe Mixon now on IR as well, so he's mm. not expected to return for at least another three or four weeks. So, going in without him for the next three or four games, and without Joe Burrow, I I do fear somewhat for that offense. Oh Lord, it's going to be difficult. It's just going to be really difficult. Uh, Ryan Finley, bless him, he looked a nightmare last night, didn't he? Really, and you know. Let's see him next week with a full week of practice with the with the first teamers under his belt. But he was holding the ball forever. And of course, this is the, as you said earlier. This is the thing that was great about Burrow. He was getting the ball out super quickly. Had total control of that offense. Incredible accuracy as well. Incredible accuracy. Ryan Finley doesn't seem to be able to throw it more than fifteen yards. He's a bit like me in that respect, really. <laughs> um, he holds on the ball. 
for far too long and he doesn't sense pressure, which is something that happened a lot last year. He doesn't sense the pressure early. Um, so it was difficult. Were you a bit disappointed with the reaction? I thought maybe the team might kind of got together and said, look, right, time to dig deep. Let's let's do it for Joe. And they came out and yep. played an absolute stinker, didn't they? Yeah, I, 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 it's hard, isn't it? Because you can say you're disappointed. Obviously, as a fan, you want the team to win. It would have been a really nice tribute to Joe for the team to rally around him and get that win. I think everyone in the organisation is desperate for wins at the moment, as everyone always is. But at the moment, for obviously Zach Taylor's sake, for Joe's sake, it would have been nice. Zach Taylor came out and said he didn't think there was a, a drop in the team's reaction. And I think as a coach, you are probably going to say that. But... I think it was very evident that the wind was knocked out of the team. I think on offense, especially losing your leader, losing the team captain, losing the face of that franchise mm. to not just a little, you know, sort of gimpy ankle where he's gone out to the locker room to have it checked over to something that was evidently serious and that was going to cost him some serious time. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not great. I think it would take a, pretty spectacular performance especially in a game that with every due respect didn't necessarily matter it wasn't like a playoff game or something where you sort of wanted it was like a big like come on we've got to do this to get this over the line it was a fairly not to say meaningless but not the most important game in the world um, when you've only won a couple of games so a little bit disappointing because it would have been great to get a win yesterday I don't want to sort of I, we, I don't want to completely over overlook that the Bengals need to win some games they need this team needs to get some sort of momentum behind it going into the end of the season for Zach Taylor's sake and I think for the players sake as well so you want to see the team rebound it's going to be hard with Ryan Finley I don't think and I'm interested to get your thoughts on this son I don't think they're going to go out there and do anything particularly exciting in signing any yeah. players you're going to you're going to get those rumors about Colin Kaepernick I don't realistically see that happening I just don't think the Bengals are going to make that move. There's players like Cody Kessler out there. There's Deshaun Kaisers of the world are knocking around. Are they better than Ryan Finley? Probably not. They don't know the system. I just can't see the Bengals. You know, the Bengals traded up for Ryan Finley only about a year and a half ago. He knows the system. He's been in the building. I just think they're going to, they've got six games left. They'll want to win games, the Bengals, because Zach Taylor desperately needs to. And I know that a lot of people will sit there and say, look, you know, we don't really need to because we want to get this draft pick. And again, we'll talk about that later. But I just don't think they're going to be in a rush to spend money and bring another guy in. I think maybe Brandon Allen will get a look, um, depending on how mm. Finley does in the next two or three weeks. But I, I really don't see much more happening. You maybe see Jake Dolagala picked up off the New England practice squad. But aside from that, I, I'm not expecting anything. But interested to hear what you think about that, Sam. Yeah, I mean... I think you're right, and I think they will have to adjust the scheme quite. They're going to have to do a lot of work in practice this week because obviously that offense was tailored to Joe Burrow's uh, strengths from LSU. Right? They incorporated elements of the LSU scheme into their own scheme, and it was working, wasn't it? I mean, yesterday. Let's just go back to yesterday. They were just. I mean, it was frustrating because Bullock. We'll talk about Randy Bullock a bit later, but missed some kicks, uh, some absolute gimme kicks really um but the, yeah they should have been like 20 points to seven up really at half time and they looked again that offense was really humming and that catch by tyler boyd was just incredible 
the, you know, the one that he sort of corkscrewed in the air. That was amazing. Uh, and then, of course, AJ Green scored his first touchdown of the year. Here's a, here's a thought. Is that the first and last touchdown pass AJ Green will catch from Joe Burrow? Oh, there you go. You'd probably <laughs> you know. say so, wouldn't you? I can't see AJ being bad. No, so that, what a that is shame. A, that is a funny, yeah, it's a good point, that. And he spiked that ball like anything, didn't he? That really yeah. meant something to him. Fair play to That's AJ. And he, was, and he also made a terrific toe, uh, a sideline catch with a toe catch. No, you don't catch the ball with your toes, but a terrific toe-tapping sideline catch in the first half. That was So everything was going great that first half. I thought, like you said, we are going to win this game. Defense is playing pretty well. Um, yeah, it was all good, um, but yeah, um, we're going to have to do some. Well, say we, uh, Zach and the team are going to have to do some pretty solid work this week to get Ryan Finley up to speed. Because uh, I am tempted to go out and get someone, but as you say, I do not know who's really out there. I mean, I'd quite fancy. Colin it's really Cap, not the most really. illustrious list in the world. I'd say no. that. I look earlier. I mean, to me, the two names were Kessler and Kaiser, and they're not, you know, not knowing the system, having to come in yeah. with six games to go. They're not good. There's no way either one of them. I mean, they're probably not a better option than Brandon Allen. So I, I just don't see it happening. Um, of course, Brandon Allen's got some NFL experience. He played three or four games for against, the. Aren't it? Uh, uh, Brandon Allen's got some yes. NFL experience, and he played three or four games for the Broncos last year, didn't he? So I, I don't I think know. The, I think give Ryan Finley six games. I, you might as well just cut your losses on him. If he plays six games and he just hasn't got it and he can't hack it and he's clearly out of his depth, he's got a better team around him this year than he did last year. T. Higgins, AJ Green's healthy. Um, there's a better depth the crop at wide receiver than there was last year. The offensive line is probably slightly better than it was last year as well. There's some difficult teams, as I said earlier, but there's also some winnable games there against like New York and um, potentially Dallas. Even Miami is potentially winnable. So you've got to see what you've got there. If, if, if Ryan Finley's not an, an NFL caliber backup, then you've got to cut your losses. I know we took him with a fairly high pick and we traded up, but it's a good chance for him to get some experience. He didn't have a preseason this year, which was a shame. And you have to remember, he looked really good in his first ever preseason. Mm. There was a lot of people on the hype train with him um, in that preseason. And obviously, last year didn't match that in the regular season. But I think it's an opportunity for them to see what they've got in him, give him six games and then sort of make your decision either way. And I hope for Ryan's sake and for the Bengals' sake, and I saw you put out that tweet yesterday about, look, let's get behind Ryan Finley here. And I couldn't echo that anymore. You know, you might not think the geezer's um, Joe Montana, but he's a he's a guy, he's one of ours. He's out there trying to win us some games and good luck to him. You know, I hope, I hope the fans do get behind him rather than just take to ridiculing that's not what we want to see i got an absolute pasting for putting that tweet out yesterday honestly all it was meant to say is look you know the guy needs support it's it's kind of we're digging deep here and we're in trouble and ryan finley is one of us and he needs let's get behind the guy you never know okay i'm not and people saying well you know how you know, what a load of rubbish you saying he's the best quarterback in the world. And it's like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying get behind your your boy. You do, do you know what I mean? Um, anyway, um, shall we? There's lots to talk about still, obviously. God, one game can throw up so much stuff to talk about. Um, 
that Titans win seems a long way away, doesn't it? It does, I remember, yeah. I had a lovely feeling in my stomach on that Monday, and today I just feel like someone's like had a few punches to the stomach, you know. Well, uh, ponder this as we bring Megan from the Foundation for Appalachian, Ohio, in. Are we going to win any more games this season? Uh, and now, joining us, I'm very pleased to say that uh, the Director of Communications for the Foundation for Appalachian, Ohio, Megan Wanzek is joining us now. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's lovely uh, that you could fit us in today because I would imagine that today is not not like a normal Monday, really. It has not been like a normal Monday. Um, it has been a day where we've all been sad coming off of seeing Joe Burrow's injury um, during yesterday's game, um, but we have also been overwhelmed and encouraged by this um, outpouring from his fans, uh, sharing their support uh, for him and cheering him on from a distance uh, by giving to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund. Um, before we get on to that, Megan, just take us through what it's been like today. Have you had lots of calls and media outlets or has there just been, have you just been watching the screen of donations go up and up and up and up? Is it, is it just been a totally crazy Monday? It has, it has been. Um, we have certainly received calls from media um, checking in to learn more about the fund and the story. Um, but yes, many of us who receive alerts in our emails when new donations have come into the foundation have found ourselves with some very overwhelmed inboxes um, with lots of good news inside them because they're all coming bearing um, gifts in honor of Joe and many of them coming with um, notes of encouragement to him within those same thin gifts. Um, every cloud does have a silver lining, I think. And, you know, um, as devastated as we are and as all Bengals fans are, and no doubt Joe and his family are as well, um, about, uh, you know, the injury yesterday... Um, it is amazing to see the community kind of get together and respond like this. And we're hoping, you know, I know that many Bengals fans here in the UK have, have uh, already donated. So we're trying to give it a little push for you guys as well. Um, it's weird. We're 5,000 miles away and uh, we're asking to donate people to donate to a foundation that perhaps they don't know anything about, really. So could you just give us a little outline as to what the Hunger uh, Relief Fund is all about and, and, and why Joe and you guys set it up? Sure. Um, so I think many of your listeners and fans will be familiar with Joe's Heisman speech, um, where he really took his moment at the podium to speak to um, the country and our region about one of the issues that he found most pressing for um, the children of Appalachia and their families and their neighbors, which was really food insecurity um, and looking around and seeing that there were neighbors who didn't have access to the food that they needed. Um, and from that moment, um, many, many fans came together and through a Facebook campaign and through donations sent directly and um, really lifted up the work of the Athens County Food Pantry. And when the food pantry stepped back and looked at the incredible number of donations that had come in, um, there had been more than $650,000 raised 
um, for their work. And they knew that work here um, was was large. This is an area where um, about 20% of the population is food insecure. And so they knew that even with this overwhelming amount of support that came in, it couldn't all solve the challenge of food insecurity if used right away. Mm. And so what they did um, at the food pantry was establish the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund as a tribute to his speech and what it inspired, but also as a way to... Um, create a permanent endowment that would be able to support their work over years Hmm. so that they would be supporting and um, getting access to food for children of Appalachia today, but that they would be able to continue that work over the long term as well and make sure that this generosity from people was something that paid forward for a long time to come. And so that's where that fund um, came from. And um, that's what it is growing to do today. And so these new gifts, um, we'll be supporting the work of the Athens County Food Pantry long term. Well, you do a fantastic job for that community, Megan. And um, I, I'm just interested. I mean, obviously, 2020 has been a year unlike any other year I think any of us have ever experienced. Has the need and for these food pantries, or I guess we call them food banks over here, um, increased because of the pandemic and people are falling on ha- even harder times than usual? Absolutely. Um, You know, this Joe's speech um, took place back in December of 2019. And so those first gifts that came into the food pantry that then seeded the fund really were from mostly December and January, um, nearly a year ago. And then when um, COVID-19 came, um, I know that the food pantry has shared that there certainly was an uptick. Um, in the number of folks that they were serving um, because of all of the um, effects that came from that, um, be that people who were um, temporarily um, out of work as things closed or um, longer-term effects as well. Um, So their work has only become more important over the course of this year. Mm, It's interesting, isn't it? And um, I'm interested, I mean, do you, what kind of, what kind of, role does Joe play in all this? Is he quite hands-on? Do you have quite a lot of contact with him? Well, it's really, this fund is really to support um, the work of the food pantry in um, the area where Joe grew up. Hmm. Um, And so rightfully, uh, he has been a wonderful partner in um, launching and rolling out that fund um, and sharing his voice and support to it. Um, But of course, over these past months, his focus has been just where it should be. Um, which has been on the field and in his debut with the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Megan, as I say, we want to give it a push over here. Um, you know, as I mentioned again earlier, uh, you know, quite a lot of Bengals fans from the UK have already uh, donated. But for those who'd like to do it's weird, isn't it? If you want to reach out to Joe, I think a lot of people want to reach out to Joe. And of course, we don't know him. We don't have any contact with him personally. But you want to do something to support him in this kind of devastating time. Um, and this feels like a really sort of tangible way to do it and what I mean by tangible is that it will have an effect on people right absolutely absolutely I mean through the work of the Adams County Food Pantry um, there are people here um, in Appalachian Ohio where um, Joe has has grown up and only about two hours away um, Mm. from where he plays with the Bengals 
um, who are having a direct difference made um, in their lives from the work of the food pantry and um, the food that they're able to help folks access when they need it. So tell us, uh, Megan, tell our listeners, how can people donate to this uh, fantastic cause? So for anyone who would like to um, give to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund, um, they would be able to go online um, and um, visit the Joe Burrow Fund dot mm-hmm. org, and that will take them right to our website. Um, and from there, there's um, a button that would just say "Give Today." And if folks are so inclined to want to leave a message for Joe along with their gift, um, they can do that. Great. Fantastic. Megan, you've given up some valuable time today. I'm sure you'll run off your feet. So we we can't thank you enough for fitting us in. And, and you know, keep up the fantastic work. And uh, as you say, it really does make a difference to people's lives out there. And uh, I think all Bengals fans would agree it's a fantastic course. So, Megan, I hope today is also, the rest of the day, is extremely busy for you with people wanting to know about this great foundation and hunger fund um so yeah once again thanks for the time thank you so much so there we go that was lovely megan from the um foundation for appalachian ohio who handled the joe burrow hunger relief fund and as megan said you can go to um give if you can spare i mean i think the thing is to kind of donate nine dollars to match his number on on his jersey if you can't afford the nine dollars and you just want to tip in a couple of dollars that's totally fine too i think um uh, and you can go as megan said to joeburrowfund.org you'll be taken to a page and you can give as much as you want and and as much as you can afford i think it's just a nice gesture if you want to do that if you don't that's totally fine too uh right you ready for this nathan pin back your ears sit yourself cool. down because uh, I, I think we've had more correspondence on this subject uh, than we've ever had. So I'll, I'll try and get through as many as I can, okay? Uh, Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. Pain. That's it. That's the tweet. Um, good one to get, get going with. Dan- That's going to set the tone there, isn't it? It is. Uh, Daniel at London Bengal. First time tweeter, long time reader. Where you're very welcome, Daniel. Solid handle, London Bengal. I'm having a bit of that. Exactly. He gets a solid handle as well, Daniel. How about that for a first tweet? Such a deflating situation to be in. Burrow made watching the Bengals exciting again. Gone for now. Onwards and upwards we go again. And he makes a good point, doesn't it? As I think you alluded to it in the first half of the show. It was kind of fun watching that Bengals offense. Burrow gave us something and someone to be excited in and with. And there was a real chance that he would win Offensive Rookie of the Year, perhaps even Rookie of the Year if he carried on the way he was going. And now that's all gone, isn't it, really? Yeah, there's there's a lot of accolades and awards and records that would have tumbled, I think, if Joe could have finished the season. He certainly would have been in the conversation between him and... Um, Justin Herbert for the Offensive Rookie of the Year or the Rookie of the Year. I think there would have been various NFL and Bengals passing records that would have fallen. And it is a real shame that he couldn't have finished those. I mean, he's not going to be bothered by that. You know, he wants to win. And that's the other thing, I guess, is that you would have looked 
down that stretch, six games to go, I think Joe Burrow would have really felt like the Bengals could have won three or four of them. And it would have been a really nice bit of momentum going into next year. And I think that's the difficulty. And obviously we'll get to it. But you know, how many games now are we going to win? But yes, good first tweet from at London Bengal. Uh, Martin Canadine at Ugly Game. I'm going to spend the next nine months comfort eating and ruining the day as a 10-year-old that I saw Boomer Esiason in Tiger Stripes and decided to commit my life to the Bengals. P.S. Fire Zach. There's really now nothing to be gained by letting this farce run any longer. Archie at AJ Arch 11 Taylor can make all the excuses he wants, but the fact of the matter is that we have one, if not the worst O-line in the league, and when you can't sufficiently protect your QB, this happens. Uh, Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688. This rekindled memories of Tim Crumry's injury in SB23. Uh, Fat Randy left seven points on the field. Is AJ back? Well, I don't know about that. I don't know how back he's going to be with Ryan Finley at quarterback. But he's right about Tim Cromwell. As I say, I don't believe in fate or curses. But I tell you what, I'm sick of seeing someone like, before my time, but Greg Cook endure a season-ending injury when he was going to be the NFL's best for a decade. OK, yes, we got Kane Anderson you know, in the 70s, so it wasn't all bad. I'm sick of seeing... Tim Cromry, the heart and soul of our defense, break his leg uh, in the you know at the start of the Super Bowl. Um, I'm I'm sick of seeing Carson Palmer uh, crumpling a heap after you know leading that team, and we had a real chance of winning that year in 2005. And now it's Joe Burrow, so it does you know it's not every year, but something bad tends to happen to kind of outstanding players to the Bengals um, and it's difficult to kind of stay away from the whole are they linked, is there a curse sort of chat even though I don't believe it so I, w- I would just like some nice things to happen for as a Bengals fan really, that'd be good wouldn't it It would indeed my son yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been I think that was the first time after that game yesterday that I've felt like that since the, uh, the playoff game, obviously against the Steelers, that mm. was um, the first time it really you had that sort of horrible feeling in your gut. To an extent, the first game of this season that was a heart heartbreaker as well. Where I really felt like we could have won that, and we played really well. And I think by all accounts, probably AJ Green should have been given that touchdown, which would have been a hell of a way to the start of the season. But yeah, let's, <laughs> onwards and upwards, onwards and upwards. Shawnee at Shawnee, 01, this is it. As much as the injury was a freak accident, the chances of an accident increase when you take the amount of hits Joe did. Um, Rosie at Rosie underscore May 16, it's just sad. I don't think there's any point in chucking blame around now. It's happened. It's shit, but let's just all focus on getting this season done hopefully building in the draft and off-season and be a new and improved team for when Burrow is back. Well said, Rosie. Um, Phil Hatton at Bengal Blue Boy. Um, Although my interest has now massively waned, I suppose the remaining games are still an audition for Zach. He traded up for Finlay, so can he create a decent O-line without Joe? The answer should eliminate any doubts. It really is a, it's a good point by Phil because it is a really interesting period now because there's going to be a lot of Bengals fans, especially the sort of the draft 
um, the draft lovers that are going to sit there and say, well, look, we don't need to win any games really here. There's going to be some incredible talent in that draft in the top five, certainly on the offensive line with Sewell potentially being available around then. So, but as he, last season it was Zach's first year, you're always going to give him a second year, you know, regardless. We knew we needed a new quarterback. We knew we needed a reset. So it, it was a bit of a different situation. But this year is not as cut and dry as that. You desperately feel like Zach does need to get some wind, wins under his belt. I just don't think it's going to be as simple as we go in there with a backup quarterback and we're going to get battered for six games and just take it on the chin and move forward into next season. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there with backup quarterbacks winning games. You know, you saw the Panthers do it um, yesterday by absolutely destroying the Lions with a, a backup playing his first NFL game. PJ Walker, wasn't it? And, mm. you know, the, the the Washington football team with Alex Smith, absolutely not their number one guy going into the season, coming back off a horrific injury. And, you know, I have to give a ton of credit to Alex Smith, by the way, off topic um, for that incredible comeback. And to, for him yesterday, that must have been fantastic to get a win under his belt. Um, but you see teams do it with backups, with injuries and, I think the Bengals have got to look to these next six games and certainly for Zach's sake and the coaching staff's sake and for the players' sake, they've got to try and win some games. And I know it might fluff them down the draft order slightly and obviously that's not ideal, but they have to win. It's, it, that, I think that's one thing that people are probably not going to be looking at as critically now because obviously... Joe's gone. People are, you know, our podcast listeners are probably going to jump off a cliff. And I think a lot of Bengals fans' interest in watching the team without their star player is going to wane. But they do need to win these games. It's not just as simple as sort of waving the white flag until the end of the season. Yes, we'll see. Andrew Dockerall at Docker 77 says they got lucky to get to the bye with the line they went in with. Realistically, we picked three. Finley isn't winning games, and there are no street QBs. Jags are winning two with this remaining schedule, so you'll struggle struggle to get a King's Ransom for pick three with two QPs gone. It's Penai time, which is a shame because they really need an edge, Russia, so they better hope their luck of non-first-round DL drafting continues. There's a good point. It's yet another Bengals first-rounder that's just been completely knacked by injury in his first year. I mean... Jonah Williams, John Ross, you know. It's a good point, that is. You know, no, one's, no one's made that point either. I mean, I'd just trade down out of the first round, to be honest with you, at the moment. <laughs> William Jackson as well. Yeah, absolutely. You can go back. You can keep naming him, Who's can't made, you? Which Bengals first round picks made it out of his first year without any, any knocks on him? Oh, I can't remember. That, someone will tell us, no doubt. <laughs> um, Jamie at Trek White Beast says, ZT was only able to win two games with one of the best young QBs in the game. There's no chance of another win with immobile noodle arm Finley. Uh, <laughs> top three pick, here we come. I'd be a lot more sympathetic to Bengals front office and coaching if they had made an effort to get OL rather than make do and mend. And I think that's a you know that's a fair point. You know, it's kind of I think people would be more charitable if they saw real investment in the offensive line during the during the off season, really. And all we really signed was Xavier Suafilo, who's been injured and probably just about average, really. So we'll see. Jano Savolainen, uh, hello, Jano. He's in Finland, is Jano? So, uh, uh, moi, Jano. There's my little bit of finish for you. Uh, at Jano Sawo, I'm heartbroken. Solid handle. 
Uh, I'm heartbroken. I honestly thought we can score on every drive when Burrow was in. Now I don't know what to expect. Love this team and hope we get wins. But on the other hand, I really do want us to get an OT get OT Sewell from the draft. A lot of talk about Penai Sewell. I still think we need interior more than uh, tackle help. But you know, if Penai's there, then you take him, right? Anyway, um, <clears throat> um, Dave Cass at Come On Didier. Heard rumours that Dignity... Solid handle. Heard Sorry, ru- I'm a bit delayed on these solid handles, my son. Yeah, right. step it up, man. Step it up. Uh, Dave says, Heard rumours that Dignitas are planning to open a new centre for Bengals fans. Uh, don't go there yet, Dave. Um, John Lucarotti, living La Vida Luca. Solid handle. It was a sickening sight and incredibly deflating for all of us, I suspect. Rather than dwell on the horror, I've tried to come up with some silver linings. Hello, John. Uh, number one, we got to see a good sample of what he can do, and it was excellent. They're referring to Burrow, um, obviously. Uh, number two, estimated recovery for torn ACL of six to nine months means that there's a more than realistic prospect of him lining up in week one next year. Three, we'll get a higher draft pick now which can be translated into better protection for him in the future. I know, stable doors, etc., etc. Number four, John's on, John's on his long run here. That dreadful anxiety we all had each week of him being injured has now dissipated. That's all I've got. Slim pickings, I know. Fingers crossed for his recovery. But he seems like the sort of bloke who thrives on adversity, which is helpful given which team he ended up with. <laughs> Fair point. John there. Neil Nathvani. Neil at Neil Nathvani. Um, number one, firstly, best wishes to Joe for a strong recovery. After that, eyes turn to the future. If we are in a position to draft Saul in April, we have to take him. And at least one other interior lineman, in addition to re-signing Spain, needs to be picked up in free agency. Uh, number two, get that foundation to protect Joe right this off-season as priority number one. Then the focus on other parts of the team can come in uh, the later stages of free agency, later rounds of the draft and in future off-seasons. Protecting Joe has to be the platform built first. <sighs> Joe Burrow, number one, Stan, at our underscore Matt. Uh, Taylor's record is now likely to fall to 4-27-1. Granted, Marvin left a dumpster fire of a roster behind, but is it not now entirely clear ZT is not the answer? Winning only two games with Burrow and gambling so heavily with his health and losing is unforgivable. ZT first to go. I think with Zach Taylor, you've got to wait until the end of the season before... I, I don't even really want to get into it too much because it changes week on week. You know, we could go and win our final six and you say he's done an incredible effort, unlikely. But I think that's we'll, he's got the audition until the end of the year and I think we just have to wait and see at the end of the year how this team looks. If we're absolutely shocking until the end of the year and we don't win another game, we're not even competitive, there's going to be some very difficult conversations to have. But I am interested to see what he can do. Obviously, losing your franchise quarterback is going to be difficult, and there's some other injuries across the board. But we've got to be competitive. We've got to try and show that we've got some fighting spirit there. There are some good players on that team, as we know. T. Higgins is excellent. Jesse Bates had another incredible day yesterday that obviously overshadowed in all of this mess. But another big play for him, which is fantastic. So 
you want to see those guys step up, fight around and rally around Ryan Finley and Zach Taylor and really try and get some wins for him. Because like I said, it is important. It's not as simple as that's just, you know, f- focusing on that draft pick already, which I know a lot of people will be thinking about because it's something exciting that I think everyone wants at the moment. But for Zach's sake, he's got to find some wins, I think, to get some more fans on side. Because if he doesn't, it's going to be a very, very difficult um, to get the fans back. Scotty, uh, Scott Gibb at Scott Gibb one gutted. Gutting thing is now looking back on the season. It doesn't seem as bad now because we still had Joe. The schedule was looking better too. Not anymore. Finn Lousy doesn't win more than one game. Maybe we sneak his brother into PBS instead. He was having a good college season. So sad. Uh, Tom McDowell says... Uh, Something that makes me proud to be a Bengals fan is the way we show our support to players by flooding their foundations with donations. Uh, And, of course, you heard from uh, the uh, Joe Borrow Hunger Relief Fund uh, earlier. Bianca Verdi at Bianca Verdi. I've uh, had... Solid handle. I've had my fair share of sporting disappointments over the years, but this takes the cake. Gutted for so many reasons. The face of the franchise is gone, and we have to hope he comes back the same guy as it's never guaranteed. Can't even begin to think about draft picks yet. Chin up, Bancaverde, chin up. Kay Adams at Hey Kay Adams, sending love, she says. Good old Kay. Go on, Kay. <laughs> Go on, Kay. Of course, she was wearing another um, uh, Bengals, a quality Bengals vintage jersey today in solidarity with uh, with uh, the grieving Bengals nation. Um well, let's have a look, shall we? Um, What's your thoughts on the rest of the season, my son? Oh, we're fucked. <laughs> we are. I don't, I don't, I don't you know. can't see us sneaking a win out. I would love to. I think there's a chance against the Giants, actually. I really, really do. Um, uh, here's Jen at U1 Science. <laughs> That's a good handle. First time caller, I think. Uh, see, uh, you say solid handle, I say, yeah, that's a good handle. Uh, can't, <laughs> not quite as catchy as a catchphrase, really, is it? Um, can't believe they didn't get a better backup than Finley in the off-season. He proved he was bad last season. You've got to plan for injuries. He's the worst QB2 in the league. OK, tanking works, but they could be sitting there with five wins in the mix. Failure of front office again. <sighs> I mean, we've got Mark Johnson at uh, MRF Johnson 30. Uh, he said he'll be backing Ryan Finley for the rest of the season, who I think will be picking high again, which I'm not too pleased about. Big test for Zach Taylor now. I think he is on the hot seat. I think it's boiling hot. Uh, Matt Moon says, at Matt Moon, Miami last season showed the players will still be trying to win. While the players are still trying to win, I'll be supporting them, even if the odds would appear to be stacked against them. Go on, uh, Matt. Uh, Duncan Union at Slam Dunk Funk. Solid handle. Now, three points, please, gentlemen. One, Bullock needs to be cut. Two, people singling out individuals on the O-line for causing this injury is diabolical. Yes, they aren't great, but have improved. But not one of them would have wanted this to happen. Number three, no more wins equals draft pick. Now, Randy Bullock had a shocker yesterday. Well, no, he didn't have a shocker because I'm I'm... So complicated with Randy, isn't it? He'll mess up 
like really easy kicks, and then he will surprise you by nailing a 50-yarder, and then almost nailing a 58-yarder. Like, it was, like, so close. Uh, oh, I don't know what to do about Randy, really. Oh, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't be getting rid of Randy Bullock, and I know I've been a sort of fierce critic of Randy's in the past, but he played really well. I mean, he had a bad game yesterday. My, my critique of Randy's always been how he kicks under pressure. Um, and I've been really impressed with his distance. I mean, it was 59 yards yesterday, that kick, and he had the distance. I mean, just about. It was, I mean, giving it another metre or so, he had it, or another yard or so, it was, a, it was a hell of a kick, and he's very, very unlucky on that. So he clearly has got the distance. So I think he's been good. I mean, he, he was bad yesterday, but find me a kicker in the league that's just automatic, apart from, like, your Justin Tuckers and... Harrison Butkers from the Chiefs and stuff. There's not many good guys out there. You're not going to go on the street, really, and pick up anyone too fantastic. I mean, you're telling me someone like Zane Gonzalez is any better than... But you, you, you're telling me there's a guy on the street that's going to come in and just be immediately better than Randy, just banging them consistently from 50. You know, Randy's not missed many extra points this season. He's been fairly consistent. But my issue with him is that we obviously never should have got rid of Jake Elliott um, to make way from him. I thought that was a terrible personnel decision. Um, and I also think that under pressure, I don't think he'd be the man. I think if it came down to us in the mix, uh, sort of, you know, like I've said before, where we were on the verge of making the playoffs or in the playoffs or, you know, some way miraculous state, we're in the deep in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. I just don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to make a big kick. That's always been something that I've been worried about. But in terms of where we are now, 100% keep him. He's playing well. I, he had a bad game yesterday. Players have bad games. I wouldn't be thinking about getting rid of him anytime soon. Mm. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, really. It's difficult to view things just purely in a Bengals bubble. And it's same with the offensive line. You know, yes, we're one of the worst in the NFL. You know, we are. We've got to face it. Um, but there are other handful of really bad offensive lines, not just us either. Now, is, is that acceptable? No, but I'm just saying you've got to view it in context. And the same... With kickers, really, Randy has had a pretty solid season, but, you know, he can't have too many of those, you know, 30-yarders and those extra points missed, really, because we do specialise in close games, whether we will again for the rest of the season, I don't know, but we need a kicker pretty good under pressure, as you say. Finally, Odat at DZE. Joe's injury is nothing short of tragic, and I hope his recovery is swift and successful. I appreciate injuries are part of the football but coaches and staff are responsible for mitigating these. Even without the injury, there's enough sample size to judge if this staff, led by Zach, is the right one. And in my opinion, it is not. Winning four in 26 is failure with a capital F. Well, there we go. There's a cheery one to end the show <laughs> with. <laughs> it's been a funny old year, and I mean, I think that's why... As we said before, that Joe really lifted the fan base. It's been hard two and a half years for Bengals fans, and frankly, it's been a really miserable year for everyone for obvious reasons with COVID knocking around. And I think losing Joe yesterday is is hard. I mean, it certainly hit me hard, and I'm sure it's hit a lot of other people hard. It's not what you want to see. I was excited to see what he had left against an easier schedule, uh, the final seven games, and we need some wins as fans, and we we need some exciting. Uh, some exciting offensive play and we started to really see that as you said so I just think it's gutting and it's been obviously a difficult year as well but 
let's just hope as long as Joe can come back strong and he's still got that mobility and he's still got that swagger and confidence and leadership abilities, we'll be all right long term. I think that's what we have to sort of cling on to. But I, I think we all know that the next six games are going to be a big, a bit tough. Uh, couldn't agree more. And I should also add that uh, however tough things get, we will be here. Uh, talking nonsense. Speak for yourself, son. All oh, right, okay, you're off. I uh, I will be here talking nonsense to myself in a dark room, so please join me. Uh, we'll happy. Weirdly, it's Thanksgiving on Thursday, so uh, very happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. I know you're probably not feeling that happy at the moment, but by Thursday, when you're confronted with a table full of turkey and weird casseroles, what Americans call casseroles. Uh, uh, marshmallows on top of sweet potato and all that sort of strange Thanksgiving stuff uh, you'll be fine you will be fine uh, so have a great day on Thursday we'll be watching football uh, I think there's usually traditionally some football matches on a Thursday night aren't there so I'm going to tune into those uh, and of course a uh, big thanks to Megan from uh, the uh, Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and once again if you would like to tip in uh, go to joeborrowfund.org. Let's get up to 100 grand. How about that? Well, it's probably, maybe not. Nathan said he's personally going to uh, donate 70,000. So uh, that's very good of you, Nathan. And I've got his card here, so I shall be making that donation on his behalf. Do you need the three digit number, son? I'll send it over to you. <laughs> uh, listen, take care of yourselves. Chin up, everybody, where the community is still strong. This is one of the pleasures of doing this whole Bengals UK thing. And it might seem a bit sanctimonious and a bit even patronising when, when something awful like this happens. Uh, but, you know, let's stick together and uh, we can still have some sort of fun throughout the rest of the year. Uh, so we'll be back on uh, next Monday. Of course, we're playing the Giants on Sunday. Nathan, what do you think? Oh, it's hard. It's hard to know, isn't it? Um, I would love to see the Bengals go in there and get a win, like so badly. I, I just think it would mean a lot, actually, to the players and to Zach and for the team. I, I'd love to see him go go and get a win. I believe it's at home, it is. Um, which gives us a chance. I'm excited to see what Ryan Finley's got. Like we said, I, I, people writing him off, and they might be right to write him off, but I'm interested to see him get a chance, like you said, get a full week of practice with the first team, plan around him, scheme around him, and see what he's got. A really difficult situation to come in midway through that game with like no experience, no training camp. The offense and everyone had the wind completely sucked out of them. I'm excited for him. It's obviously going to be hard. The Giants have been a bit better recently but they're still only won three games so far so they absolutely there is a chance there for us to get a win and i think to be completely honest it'll be really well received so yeah i think it'd be i think it'd be a close game i, I there's no reason they should come in and absolutely twonk us but i don't know i, I you'd make them the favorite but i do i really do think this is our for me this is our best chance at a win between now and the end of the season yeah for sure and what I want to see is a reaction I want to yeah exactly. I want players to go out there and wear win for Joe sweatbands or whatever do you know what I mean or write it on their on their boots or their socks or whatever I want that feeling I want them to win for Joe and I want to see a reaction now whether that's enough to win on Sunday uh, I'm not expecting much of the offense it's going to be conservative game plan no doubt but we'll see we'll see um it's a test for zach isn't it because obviously there's, it is. you saw it at the end of the game there's got a lot of dejection a lot of players feeling 
really frustrated right now. Um, it's going to be a test for his leadership ability to motivate that team, prepare that team, and see if that team can go out there and get a win. Um, so again, he's got that audition, and I, I, hope, I really, really hope that he can um, get those guys firing and, like you said, do it for Joe. Absolutely. Okay, uh, until next week, stay safe. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Join us on for the online tailgate on Sunday. Um, do all those things. Um, but until then, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.